The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. The only NFL podcast one of the hosts thinks the Colts quarterback should go by Gardner Munch Shoe. That's Lenny. <laughs> he loves to eat my shoes. I'm Mina Kimes. And that... Like titillated laugh who the person you heard there you didn't hear him speak but you could tell he just loved that joke it's a good one was like one. as always dominique foxworth dominique welcome back to the show hey mina i'm sorry that i distract you with my weird faces but i look at myself on this screen and i look like old and tired so i thought i looked yeah. younger with with my eyebrow raised you're very close to the camera so you could also back up a little bit okay. like right, i do um it's great for the podcast audience. They're loving it. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, very nervous about the Monday night game. Uh, I was nervous before the game that it would be boring to talk about. I was nervous yeah. uh, during the game when Trevor Lawrence got hurt. Ended up being kind of a banger. Uh, yeah. Major injuries, huge ramifications for both teams. Uh, a very surprising performance out of the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, Jake Browning. I want to get to his performance and the Bengals side of it, but I feel like we do have to start with the news. Uh, and I'm glad we're taping now because it took a second. Well, even now, though, we don't really know. So so, so Trevor Lawrence got hurt during the game. It looked at the moment like, like he got sort of stepped on by his left tackle and then hit. And then when he tried to get up, he fell. And then there was a long extended shot of him awkwardly walking uh, to the lockers, which caused everybody to wonder why they didn't cart him. And that is, yeah. I don't think, I don't know if anyone asked that at the press conference. <laughs> it's a hard question <laughs> to ask. That is the question that everybody wanted the answer to. No, the question that everybody really wanted the answer to is how hard to see and how long is going to be out. Uh, not a ton of clarity on that front. We do know, however, it's not season ending. It was a high ankle sprain. Uh, the head coach, Doug Peterson, today would not give a timeline. They didn't rule him out for this week. Raises all sorts of questions. I think, uh, will he play? Should he play? How much do they need him to play? These injuries, while not season ending, can be lingering. You remember when Patrick Mahomes had the high ankle sprain? Uh yeah ahead of the Super Bowl that one year. So let's start there. With, without knowing exactly the severity of the injury, the Jaguars are now 8-4. and four. They came into this game 8-3. and three. They are still the division leaders, but the Colts and the Texans are breathing down their neck in the AFC South. How do you think they should approach this Trevor Lawrence situation given the stakes and sort of the competition for that seed? Um, yeah, I've had a high ankle sprain. Um you go ahead and get that cortisone shot, which uh, makes the pain go away, but it does not like expedite the healing. Of course, playing cornerback is not a position that you can like survive with a high ankle sprain. So it took me much longer than I think it will probably take Trevor Lawrence. And also, you don't know the degree of the sprain. So my guess, again, given the fact that we don't know how serious the sprain was, he seemed to be in a lot of pain. And it wasn't just that it got stepped on, that he got kind of folded up also. It's hard for me to imagine, given what we saw, that he's just going to bounce back and, you're right, get that man a cart. Or at least, like, then the then the police officer have some work to do? Like, why was there a cop on one side holding him up? I don't know. He should have been, like, protecting something. But anyway, all that aside, um, I can't imagine that he's going to be out for 
too long though. Like they'll wrap it up, they'll give it a cortisone shot, and uh, be a couple of weeks, and he'll play just uh, without the ability to run or cut. We my guess, assuming that things don't get too bad, they don't lose too many games in the interim. Well, let me pull up the schedule. Uh, so in the next few weeks, I, I think this is really. Well, again, it, it's really it's hard to know what it's going to take to win the division, obviously, because right. the other two teams are so close to them. Um, but we do know that uh, it's not going to get easier. I mean, so so the next two weeks in particular, they have the Browns, not a defense that we're going to talk about the Browns actually later. But again, and then the Ravens, arguably two of the best defenses in the NFL. But then they wrap against the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Titans, which are three very winnable games. Part of me feels like um, the winning the division isn't worth exacerbating the injury, especially by the way, given that the Jags have like been better on the road this year. I think I, I, I forgot. I saw the numbers somewhere. I never tend to put too much stock into that unless it's like really glaring, but they don't seem to have like a big, they, they're not one of those teams where it's like, I don't know the lions where you're like, you should yeah. really try to play at home. Right. I don't right. think it really matters that much. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, um, the Texans, yeah, I, I would not exacerbate the injury. Yeah. The Texans who like I, I view as probably the toughest team in that division, they have the jets, the Titans, the Browns, the Titans, and than the Colts. So they have five obviously winnable games. So I don't know if, um, yeah. So it's hard to, it's hard to speculate given that we yeah. don't know how intense this is, but yeah, anytime that you can protect your quarterback, if they can get in the playoffs and have a fully healthy Trevor Lawrence, then I think that's a smarter decision than um, trying to fight for seating uh, and have a hobbled Trevor Lawrence. I feel like four to six weeks is like on the long end for a uh, high yeah. ankle sprain. So yeah, we'll see. Also again, because they've built up such a nice cushion mm-hmm. with, you know, the eight wins, even if they go say two and three, right. you're probably still going to be a wild card. I'm mean, all this. I have a feeling that they're going to play this almost like with the Eagles with Jalen Hurts' injury at the end of last season, right. like with an eye towards, does it matter? Does it matter? Okay. It matters. Let's play him. Um, so I, I would be surprised if he plays this week. We'll see. It, it seems a little unnecessary what? to me. Yeah, Sorry. I was wondering, what do you think their expectations are for the season? Because they were a team who made the playoffs last year. They have a, a franchise quarterback who's um, nearing the end of his rookie deal. I guess I never really think about it because the Jags are not normally like a national team that yeah. we talk about and think about a whole lot. But I guess I wonder what their expectations are because we're we're talking about this as if they are – I mean – Everyone's always gearing up for a Super Bowl run, but I guess I don't know what they would consider a successful season. It feels like to me, if they could get pat or get to the divisional round, it feels like a successful season. But they did that last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah no, so like they should expect to get to the conference championship. Is that what they're looking at? I think that should be the hope for them, right. especially given what you just said—the fact that they won a playoff game last year—and also, and I think this is really important. It looks winnable. I mean, the landscape right now, like it's more winnable than it's been in a while because of the injuries across the league, not just at quarterback, although right now we're looking at, I think like three of the teams in the AFC playoff picture now have injuries or if you count the Jaguars. Um, but even like the the teams at the top, all of have lost meaningful players or look 
um, beatable. I mean, the Chiefs yeah. obviously beatable in a way that you know we've been talking about a lot. We're not going to get into that today. The Ravens are very good, but they lost Mark Andrews, and I think the offense looked a little bit stunted last week. Um, I don't know if that – I would say that's entirely because of Andrews, but that's a huge loss. The Dolphins are the other team. They're, I think they're the number one seed right now. Just lost their best pass rusher. Again, still a very, very good team. But all of these teams at the top of the AFC, they should be trying to win the Super Bowl. This yeah. might be their best shot. The Chiefs yeah. may never be this vulnerable again. You got to go at the king when he's a little bit injured. Yeah, that's the funny part is because I don't look at them as like a Super Bowl contending team. But you're right. When you look around the rest of the, the uh, I was going to say the conference, but the rest of the league, like this seems like there's normally a couple, two to three teams that were like, hey, uh, we know they're going to be there. I think like this is the the chance, and with um, injuries and how fickle all that stuff is, like this could be the the year that they have, which makes the injury even more like concerning. Although the Jags have not been a consistent team this year, I hate to say cliches on this fine cliche proof show, but get hot at the right time, baby. I, I feel like we came into the season thinking the AFC was a lot better than the NFC. Yeah. And right now, the the state of things, and I should have even mentioned, like the Bills are six and six, which was the other team I think we would all put there. The Bengals obviously lost their starting quarterback. Um, we will get to you, Bengals. We will get to the Jake Browning masterclass in a second. But right now, the NFC looks extremely top heavy. They look like they have three dominant, complete teams. And then the, there's a drop off, I think. And then the AFC. Uh, it does not look as top heavy. It looks like there's a bunch of good teams, but I, I think with the AFC, it feels more like any given Sunday when you get to the postseason. So yeah, the Jags should be trying to win. Uh, just to kind of take it to the field and what we saw though, and whether they can win with or without Lawrence. I mean, even before he got hurt, it was a really frustrating game from their end. It reminded me a lot. I mean, the Jags have heated up lately, particularly on offense, as they've been more aggressive and pushing the ball down the field more, and it feels like they've figured things out. But I think in this game, you saw a lot of the reasons why they've lost games this season or why they struggled earlier on, which is shooting themselves in the foot with weird penalties, offensive line lapses at times, um, and then defense. I mean, this is actually not what you saw. They were bad, and that was actually kind of shocking to me because they've been so good at run defense this year they were missing tackles they were taking bad angles and like you knew what Cincinnati wanted to do on offense I will talk but they could not stop it at all yeah I mean I, I wish I had an easy explanation for it but I was surprised it didn't make sense to me and I, I mean I think the best uh I've already said like they're they've been an inconsistent team like, like that's yeah. And that's what you expect, I think, of young teams. But they are a team that's somewhat tested. Like, they had that big comeback in the playoffs last year. And then you come into the season expecting a, a more stable unit, especially when they are, are as talented as they are up front. That kind of determines the game. And that reminds me a bit of the Eagles and in, in that you expect the strength of their team to be their defensive line or defensive front. And at times it's not. <laughs> and mm. for them, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I have the exact number. Our folks at ESPN Stats and Info sent this one out, and I thought it was pretty jarring. They had a 33% pass rush win rate, which was the second lowest mark for any team playing the Bengals this year behind only the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen made some plays, including the very, yeah. very funny <laughs> blowing up the trick play, which uh, I want to spend a second on that. 
But for the most part, the pat and some of that I think was the 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 Bengals offense. I mean, we can kind of transition here. Clearly, the game plan was to get that ball out quick and then try to beat them in space. And that's where the Jags struggled, the in-space part. I mean, the linebacking group has been so good this year. I think Devin Lloyd has been a lot better. Olukun has been playing at a Pro Bowl level. But boy, they were not good in this game. It was at the second level. They were just ruthlessly attacking them. Uh, and I think that's going to be an issue for them going forward if they can't tighten that up or at least show some consistency because it is the best way to mitigate the strength of the team, which is the pass rush. Yeah, I mean, the hearing someone say that the linebackers, I feel like linebackers inside, particularly off-ball linebackers in modern football, remind me a lot of the way that we used to talk about cornerbacks like the last 10 years and that nobody has good ones. And like the game has changed so much that the expectations uh, for that position haven't quite caught up. And so when there's a team that has like, linebackers that are good enough in the run but it's really the question is are they comfortable in space you hear about a team like that you see a team like that you're like oh it's like the 49ers and Baltimore Baltimore, (laughs) you're our only hope yeah we'll get to the 49ers yeah it's not a huge number of teams but those are teams that are good which is just I don't know this is a bit off the topic but it's a, a big picture conversation that I think you would enjoy having maybe another time but while we talk about we devalue it that position there's something to be said for these really good teams having those players because it's such a position that's easy to attack but i don't know it's just it's interesting because i understand i uh, sorry go ahead ah oh, i want now i want to have that conversation okay we'll do this in win- another episode we'll no, do this no, on, I on your talk YouTube. About it. we'll do it on your youtube channel or something i, w- I want to talk about it because okay. um what one of my winner is spoiler the san francisco 49ers and i think we can talk about it then because i was thinking about it the entire time i was watching them just utterly dismantle the philadelphia eagles i was thinking about the linebacker position um okay so the jacks linebackers did not play well the Bengals deserve however a ton of credit uh for what they did offensively and like defensively this is a really bad defense i think they've made some plays um i think watching the Bengals. Three, I had three big thoughts watching them on offense. I was surprised by two things and then not by a third, although I think the third is bears mentioning um, Jake Browning. So I, I watched a lot of Jake Browning because I'm a Washington Huskies fan. I did not think he Congrats, could Congrats, by the way. At, on... at the end. Thank you. Yeah. It feels good to be like above the fray. <laughs> no I'm one like, is Oh, y'all, y'all are fighting. Yeah, right. Like about FSU and Texas. I'm like, whatever. I We're just... You know, nobody's mad at the good old Washington Huskies. We're just up there in the Pacific Northwest, not losing football games. Um, Okay, so Browning was a very productive college quarterback, not a super strong arm, but athletic, smart, accurate. I thought, like, I I didn't think he would be able to play at this level in the NFL. And I I think, like, the um, speed with which he was getting the ball out and combined with his accuracy was really impressive to me. And then of course he made some plays with his legs, which we saw a little bit of uh, last week as well. So Jake Browning surpassed my expectations. Zach Taylor also surpassed my expectations. And I wish they didn't have those two goofy ass trick plays because that really undermines <laughs> what was, I thought otherwise like a masterful uh, play calling performance and Brian Callahan is their offensive coordinator. But like, um, I think I don't think it was the announcers, but I maybe it was just saw people saying, "Wow, Jake Browning looks like Joe Burrow out there." He, not at all, because they were calling a totally different offense, which 
I think when I was, I dismissed the Bengals when bro went down because I was like, that offense is so catered to what bro does and they're just screwed without him. I undervalued the fact that the coaches would change the mm-hmm. offense. Oh, we got a, a quarterback that we can, you know, boot out heavy play action game, RPOs, get the ball out quickly, try to get the playmakers the ball in space. I think the Jaguars also played into that a little bit by not making adjustments, but again, credit to the coaching. And then the third thing I want to just give kudos to, and this is less of a, like I underestimate this person, Jamar Chase, like that to me was when we talk about like, what is a number one in the NFL? It's a wide receiver who makes everyone else look good, which is not, you know, like there's wide receivers who do cool stuff who make cool catches, who catch amazing passes, who are really athletic or whatever, but his ability to routinely cover up for some misses and then make plays after the catch out just an outstanding performance by him in this game. Yeah. I, I think you probably, it sounds like a broken record to you, but I say this all the time about young quarterbacks is you need things that can take pressure off of them. And there's nothing like having a receiver that you can throw it in his vicinity and you're pretty sure it's not going to get intercepted. And there's a, a good chance that it's going to turn into a big play. There's also a great chance that he is going to catch it. And so, uh, and it also like, we talk about this sometimes too, with like determining coverage, when you have a guy like that, you can move him around and put him in different spots. You can force the defense because they're going to find him. As soon as you come out of the huddle, they're going to find him and they will cater their formation or their alignment to address whatever threat that he poses. And if you move him, it'll do the same thing. And that clears it up for other people. To your point, it makes it easier for other people to get open. It makes life a whole lot easier. And something that I wish offenses did more often is get aggressive on third and short or mm. short yard situations. And I'm not sure that they entered that third and two where Chase had that 76 yard touchdown wanting to go deep, but they were pressing in that situation. And the uh, Jags were showing a zero blitz, which was a, an unusual choice. They were showing zero blitz. Then they rotated to just like a traditional, like uh, man blitz. And by doing that, they kind of took the safety out of the middle field. Like it still would have been a conversion and a catch, but they made it even harder for the safety to get there because they were determined yeah. to to disguise like they were in zero, which I didn't quite understand because you're encouraging them to get rid of the ball quickly and then rotating to something that still has your corner and man press coverage with Jamar Chase. So like that was your decision. You know what I mean? Like you're inviting them, like you're telling Jake Brown, like, hey, you got to get rid of the ball quick. You got to get rid of the ball quick. And then you're not really helping. So I don't know. Just It was confusing to me, but Jake Browning threw a perfect pass. I was just about to say, the the only explanation I thought of while watching that was like, I guess they think he can't make that throw. I I, I felt the exact, I I think everyone on earth watching that ball uh, was confused as to why was Tyson Campbell, I think, was the corner yeah. on Jamar. Poor guy. <laughs> Why he didn't have help. Uh, and to your point, it was absolutely perplexing from yeah. start to finish. Yeah, I don't get it. But, yeah, and, and you're going to press. They're going to convert a lot of routes in press. So, like, they might have had an out called or a hitch called or something else called. But in, against press coverage, I mean, outside of the slant, probably, you're going to convert a lot of things to a fade route. And so, again, you're inviting <laughs> something that you don't really want, which is uh, baffling to me. Do you think that the, because though we, you know, the, the Jaguars, they're going to get Trevor back. Obviously the Bengals are not going to get their quarterback back. 
However, we just came off this game where, you know, they're they're six and six. They're in the hunt on the graphic. Can they keep winning games? I mean, uh, I think I, my feeling about that is I'm, I'm more worried about the defense. I don't think the defense is is good. And even if Browning plays well, and I think he did, uh, I feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're just not going to be able to get enough stops to. You need your, you've put yourself in a Josh Allen situation without Josh Allen. You know, like that's the only reason why we believe that the Bills can do anything is not because we think that they can patch together a good defense. It's like, well, they can compete in shootouts because their quarterback is so good. They don't have that quarterback. So uh, if you're expecting him to do that week in and week out like he did this week, I think that's unlikely unless you found another Purdy or you found a diamond in the rough. It's very rare. I don't think that's what they got in Browning, but I, I don't. I mean, they have the receivers to make that happen. They don't have the O-line to make that happen, but they have the receivers to make that happen. Do they have the quarterback and the play caller? Last night or Monday night, it seemed like they did, but I find it hard to believe going forward that they're going to be able to. I was going to say, I was thinking about like, you know, how would I play the, I mean, are they playing, if they're playing the Ravens again, I don't see that. I don't foresee that going well for them. Um, Looking at their schedule in the coming weeks, they are playing, the Colts, who are very um, sort of predictable on defense, but have a good four-man rush. The Vikings, that'll be chaos. Yeah, that's gonna be a rough one. Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. So it gets it gets harder. Uh, one last thought about the Bengals. I, you know, I kind of nodded to this, but like for Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, I mean, part of them has to be. I don't say enjoying this because I don't think that's true, and obviously they would rather be a playoff contender with Joe Burrow. But it must be nice to get some credit <laughs> for once. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's um, it's not just yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow's style of play uh, makes it hard yeah. <laughs> to give credit to anybody else. But I had that thought too. That not that they were enjoying it, but when I was getting ready to to call uh, you to talk about this, I was thinking that last night's game was fun and this morning when I'm doing get up, we're like, well, we can't really talk about the the Bengals because I mean, they don't have real chances, but it's still fun. Like yeah. <laughs> it was still fun to watch it. Like, yeah, maybe they don't have a real Super Bowl chance, but what they did was pretty incredible and fun to watch. And I imagine that you're right. There, there's something about having this challenge that has to be fun, especially when it work, turns out well, you get that flight. The flight home is a lot of fun when, when your plan came together. I was thinking that watching, Jamar after the game, I think he was interviewed uh, and, you know, he knows that they're not a Super Bowl team, but he just looked happy. (laughs) Like obviously winning helps, but getting to play in a functional offense, you know, F them picks. Winning games is fun for uh, good football players. And 149 is fun too, which is, I think how many yards Chase has. (laughs) That's pretty fun. You get 70 of them on one play. All right. Jags defense, play better. See what happens with Trevor. We will, uh, I'm sure, going to re- this, this is not over for this Jags team, so we'll uh, talk about them later. All right, let's take a quick break, come back, and talk about the uh, unbeatable San Francisco 49ers. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OmahaFull 
and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambling that's 1-800-426-2537 or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, so my winner this week is the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who look absolutely unstoppable right now. Just destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles after destroying the Seattle Seahawks. Can't believe I have to play them again. Sucks. <laughs> um, let's start with the unbeatable premise. It's really the offense, right? That we want right. to talk about. Was there a moment early in the Eagles game when they were, you know, driving and and uh, when they had actually stopped them a couple of times, when you believe that like, oh, this is sustainable, like what the what Philadelphia is doing, like, oh, maybe like, you know, this this team can be stopped. Um, I don't think so. I think that 
if they score touchdowns on those first two drives, and we've talked about this before, I think the way to stop that offense is to put them down points and make them one-dimensional. I don't – I think because the versatility of their players, that they have you in substitution personnel hell, they also have a matchup advantage somewhere. Like, it's impossible. They have one somewhere. Because of the rules, (laughs) there's going to be a situation where your guy is not good enough to hang. They just have to find it. And you're not going to trick them every time. And with Purdy being as as good as he is with the ball, they might punt a few times. And then their defense has a chance to create a play. It just feels like the only way to really shut down their offense and to beat them, especially when their offense is fully healthy, is to make them one-dimensional, which means you have to get a big lead early. You have to make them one-dimensional, and you have to have an elite four-man rush in addition yeah. to that, I think. Which, would be, again, earlier on, I thought, oh, this might be happening because the Eagles do have a good four-man rush. Pretty look mm-hmm. shook, like Hassan Reddick was in the backfield. You thought, okay, if, if they had scored on those two drives, I think it, it, it would have been very, very different. Yeah. Not saying that the Niners wouldn't have won. I'm just saying, like to, to your point, you, all those things have to be in place. Um, uh, yeah, like so when we talk about like what does it take versus this team? No field goals. Don't kick field goals. You can't do it. I one of them was a fourth thirteen or whatever. But like in the red zone, you'd have to go back and look at the whole series and what went wrong for them. But point is, you have you have to go up. You can't you can't fall behind. Um, I think from a personnel standpoint like so you know what kind of defensive personnel do you need to go up against this team it, uh, assuming you're not jump you haven't jumped out to a lead where you have made the offense yeah. one-dimensional because as we've established that is the best way to play them I think that's where um our discussion about linebackers kind of where, where the linebacker position is just so glaring so here's a couple of data sets from this game when the Eagles were in nickel meaning they had the the nickel the five dbs on the field they actually were somewhat respectable at stopping the pass I mean it was a lot you know it was 0.36 CPA is fifth best in the league that weekend uh but versus the run they allowed 0.52 EPA per play, which is insane oh. for running the football. 6.7 yards per carry is the worst in the NFL. Big physical bodies, you can't stop them. When they were in base, meaning when they had the uh, just four DBs on the field, they were actually respectable against the run, 0.02. That is a normal rush EPA but they allowed 0.97 EPA per play on pass. Some of those were the two of those were the both the Devo screens were against base. My point is you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you play nickel, they're too physical. If you play base, they're too fast. It's an outstanding stat or pair of stats because it is evidence of how they use apparent complexity to make the game simple because if i ask my seven-year-old daughter or my 10-year-old son if there's a little guy out there what do you want to do they would say run right at him would probably say run through a mother's face uh, that is the, the children, the martial, that? Your children. 
They're small children. Yeah. And if you say, well, it's a big guy out there, what are they going to say? Let's air it out. Yeah. And so it's not that simple, but it is that simple. And they find ways to get to those things that are, they look the same every week when after you, after you see it, but it's not obvious to you before the snap, which is a hard thing to do, which is why like the shifts in motions, we talk about how that like makes the defense unbalanced and it gets people out of position and it gives the quarterback some information. It also just like clutters your mind. It's just like when you, yeah, if you want to read one word on a sheet of paper and it's just one word and everything else is white, it's easier. But they put a bunch of other words up there too that you get distracted by. It's like a word cloud. And their guys don't seem like they don't have a bunch of penalties pre-snap. Like they they seem to, they probably practice all of that stuff a lot more than most teams do because most teams are like, hey, it's just motion and shifts. You can handle it. It, it really boils down to they're just faster, stronger, and the fast and the strong guys are constantly being put in the best positions possible. Uh, yeah. and But defensively, what it means is to go back to our discussion, you need big guys who can cover and little guys who can hit kind of like I, it, it's basically you need versatile defenders. I do think. The Ravens are the closest thing we have in the NFL to having, especially because it's up the spine. Their safety and linebackers are so good. And it's It's the best chance. It's not even that they're so good. It's that Kyle Hamilton is enormous and athletic. Yes. So, like, the the 49ers offense is designed with a bunch of freaks on it, and you need freaks to stop them. And it's hard to find those guys. So – while and this is a credit to Kyle Shanahan is Debo Samuel is not a guy that would excite a traditional offensive coordinator as a receiver like I mean his routes aren't special like he looks fast fast as hell on uh, Monday but he's not like hey this guy's not super fast not super uh, quick it's nothing about him that's like oh I need him but the fact that he is uniquely positioned to do certain things makes him incredibly difficult to guard you know he's like, and yeah he's like ahead. the world's fastest running back and <laughs> the world's hardest hitting wide receiver yeah exactly and it's and yeah and I, I think the same is true with Kittle is his ability to block and pass catching it's just the the combinations of these guys and um Christian McCaffrey is pretty much great at everything he's just a really special football player and so you're going the players that you put out there if you put out somebody out there who is uh fast enough to cover Kittle he's not going to be strong enough chances are he's not going to be strong enough to to win at the point of attack and like this very simple stuff but I think a lot of times with some of these special players they people would not find them as useful as Kyle Shannon and like running backs in general like understanding that and so yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough job to come in and, and the way that the Eagles play with Kyle Shanahan, someone who who loves to uh to put players in conflict and force them to break their rules defensively. The way that the Eagles play defense is pretty vanilla and it's like, I know what you're gonna be in. You better have a freak over there who can do all of this. If not, we're gonna put you in an impossible spot. It's tough too, because Philadelphia, we look at that roster and we're like 
it's built in the trenches. They're prioritizing the positions that we've been taught to prioritize. You're drafting these linemen on both sides of the football. They're great. Jalen Carter's awesome. Your four-man rush is awesome. You're so deep now. And yeah, we the last five to ten years of football, you'd say, yeah, you don't spend a lot of money or draft picks on linebacker. You know, obviously they didn't they're, they're hurt, but even if they before they were hurt, it was not a strength of the roster. The problem is right now in football, especially, I mean, in your conference, you need linebackers to go back to what we were discussing. Uh, I don't think there's a team in the NFC that has them, honestly. I really think you got to go to the AFC and go to Baltimore. Cause, who, By the way, these teams are playing in week 16. I cannot wait. That game is going to be so sick. All right. That's enough on the Niners. There's so much time. We're going to talk about the Niners so much between now and like probably the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, they're awesome. By the way, we managed to have an entire Niners discussion without using the word MVP. Can we just. Good job to us. That's why this show rules. Okay. um, Let's do your woof and then my woof. Okay. My woof was the Browns. Uh, yeah, it was rewatching that game. Their defense wasn't as bad as I thought. Not until until the end. Yeah. Yeah. But their defense was not good. And for them to win, their defense is going to have to be dominant. Of course, Miles Garrett was coming off of the injury. So he wasn't at full speed and they weren't getting any pressure, which is in part because of play design and, and game plan, but also like they, they just weren't winning up front the way that we expect them to or or they they need to in order to win. They couldn't get stops. Uh, they couldn't stop drives. They couldn't force third downs or win on third downs. It just didn't look like a defense, particularly at the end, a defense that we recognized. The score ended up being like more out of hand than I felt like the game actually was. The bright side is Joe Flacco was good. Like, I mean – He's to come out of nowhere. He's I mean, a professional NFL quarterback. That's what I felt right. watching him. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, yeah. you look like you know what you're doing. Uh, I mean, it was 19 to 20 with seven minutes left in the fourth yeah. quarter. And then they, you know, and then Joe Flacco threw the pick and the, then the doors got blown off. But to your point, um, watching this defense, which started the first half of the season was like on a historically good pace. But over the last mm-hmm. few weeks, that's dropped off. There's been injuries. Denzel Ward's been out. You mentioned Miles Garrett being hurt. I think Sean McVay also did a really good job of like scheming against them. But even apart from that, I just watched them and I was like, you guys are tired. (laughs) You were tired of carrying this team. And I really think it speaks to like the difficulty of being an elite defense over the course of an event, a season, pardon me, playing with garbage offense. I mean, the field position sucks near the bottom of the NFL for them, unsurprisingly uh, on defense constantly you know like being put in in bad positions um yeah it's i mean you see it with the jets sometimes too it's just it's hard that's how i I, you know even with a good offense it's just hard to play defense in this league which is why we always talk about how defense doesn't always translate from season to season and it doesn't from week to week sometimes because it's really hard to play defense they change the rules every year to make it harder and there's lots of resources put towards the offensive uh, players and coaches like that matters. And so, yeah, it's going to be hard to play uh, championship level defense in the modern NFL, particularly when like every team has weaknesses and smart coaches with smart quarterbacks are going to attack those weaknesses. So if you can overcome it because your pressure is so good, which is normally the way you yeah. blow up these really smart schemes, it's like, eh, 
punch you in the face. You can't, you can't do all that fancy stuff if somebody's in your lap, but they couldn't do it today. And that was a problem. Also, the other thing before we move on is Puka fast. Like the hell I, I, I he like had a reverse. He had that one long touchdown pass, yeah. which seemed like it was in large part because Stafford's accuracy, like, if you, oh my God, that's one of the most great. I, that actually, it reminded me of the Geno throw, but yeah, right. You know, some of it was like him recognizing that particular look. They had the two corners back mm-hmm. there, but that was still a, the yeah. tight window. <laughs> I mean, that and, was. And if you if you like covered the top of Puka's body, you would not be able to tell when he caught the ball, yeah, because it was like he, him so in stride. So like. Maybe he was fast that play because of Stafford, but the reverse, I was like, he's not fast. Had me looking up his 40 time, but he looked fast. He's got that kind of Cooper Cup type <laughs> speed. <laughs> but it's true. He's a good player. He's a good football player. Matthew Stafford. The offense, the Rams offense can score on anyone. I really believe that. Defense, you know. Actually, I'm going to preview the Rams-Ravens game this week. So, right, cool. I haven't really talked about them a ton, but they are back in the mix. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, my was going to be really quick because it's just just the New York Jets. Yeah. What the hell is happening with this team? When um, Diana Rossini and... Zach Rosenblatt, I think his name is at the Jets, who covers the Jets, when they were like both tweeting yesterday, uh, it was like kind of like almost like a play by play of what was going on between Zach Wilson, the Jets, Aaron Rodgers gets pulled into the mix. If, if for me, it was like, do you remember when somebody was uh, infamously live tweeted an argument a couple was having on a plane? And we were all like, I feel like we shouldn't be seeing any of this. This like I we shouldn't know this, but I couldn't look away. They were like taking pictures. I, I hate that stuff, but I also love it. Um, 
so the gist of it, if for those who missed it, was that like the Jets who just cut Tim Boyle want Zach Wilson to return as starting quarterback, but um, Wilson was skeptical or or uncertain about whether he wanted to come back. Yeah. Um, And then there was an added layer today. A New York radio host was saying that Robert Sala was basically crapping on the idea that Wilson should ever start again to him, which I, 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 I don't know what of this to, you know, like how to present it, I guess. Um, but I do think it speaks to just like the utter dysfunction. I mean, the like you're starting Tim Boyle, and then the, like two weeks later he's cut. Like, what does that even say about your the decision making? Feels so haphazard. Everything Who's they are charge? doing. Yes, yes. That's okay. what like I, I wrote that down in my prep for talking to you was who's running the Jets? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it Woody Johnson? Is it Woody's brother? Is it Joe Douglas? Is it Robert Sala? Like, I don't know. I can't tell. And it seems like they're all grabbing the wheel at different times and jerking it back and forth. And that's what makes it erratic. So, like, teams lose their franchise quarterback. Like, it happens every year. Somebody gets hurt. An important player gets hurt. And then they have a year. But it doesn't turn into an embarrassing soap opera. They don't ride out with the bad quarterback throughout the, the, the course of the season while there are other quarterbacks available, like it happened four plays in. And like, we just talked about how Joe, like everyone made jokes about how Joe Flacco was available, but he was available. And there are lots of other backups available. Why you did that doesn't make sense. And then to stick with him longer than anybody thought you should, then to go to boy, like all of it is confusing. It doesn't make sense. There's a credit to the defense that they are still showing up and fighting because it has to be hard to like prepare and participate in these games when you're looking around at dysfunction all around you. I I really have a strong belief that um, Garrett Wilson should win Walter Payton man of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen him give interviews? I'm like, that guy is a saint. Nobody has risen in my estimation more this year. You remember when he did that, that right after the draft, he did that interview where they showed him his dad, and he and yeah, Brian, yeah, oh, yeah I loved so him since then. It was yeah. like that's how I knew it? I was old because I was like, this is the most touching thing. I'm never gonna forget this. What is it like going from thinking you're gonna play with Aaron Rodgers? You I mean, we saw in Hard Knocks, he was like, this is amazing. Like he was like so excited and so happy to the circuit living through this circuit. Forget the on field stuff, yeah. which is horrible enough for him. As I mean, that man is battling out there, <laughs> but off the field everything that he's had to deal with this season in terms of like, just trying to be nice. Uh, I don't like, have you ever been in in a situation like that where your expectations have been so far below your reality? No, 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 no. And also like, it's not even the expectation reality. I'm sure I've been in situations where I was disappointed. I think getting traded was like a huge disappointment and a surprise. Like I've been in those situations, but I also have never been like the face of a football team in New York while this is all happening as easy as it is for me to be like hey all you got to do is say the right thing yeah try doing that every week while people are hitting you and you're showing up work and they're not doing the right thing around you i was gonna say no one else is saying the right thing your bosses people are leaking people are leaking and uh the most mature person in the building appears to be like the 22 year old wide receiver 
It's a testament to good dads everywhere. You raise them right. Put that, put that, you know, the, the, the guy with the cape on, put that on his jersey. He's earned it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. The man of the year, Walter Payton. Yeah. The New York I, Jets submission. I have one more. Wilson for all of this. I have one more rhetorical question for you. Okay. Um, who's going to be the coach next year? Because oh. this goes back to who's making the decisions. Because Robert Sala, are they going to fire Robert Sala? If they fire Robert Sala, what are they going to do with Nathaniel Hackett? And if they are going to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett, how does Aaron Rodgers feel about all of that? And, like, I don't know. It just seems like a sticky situation, given that they let Aaron Rodgers have so much control. But it mm -hmm. seems like Robert Sala is not really long for there. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw a quote from Rob rogers is about the coaches where he was like he was kind of like hands up he was like well, i don't know and i was like oh they're yeah, gone bye <laughs> uh yeah i mean yeah i think, you don't uh, think he, would, he would protect hackett no i i think he's he's it's he's taking it as far as he can <laughs> okay gotcha it's, i don't think you know how, how much further can we really go yeah. with that um yeah Days of our lives over there. Okay. Uh, let's wrap really quickly with uh, Rogers' replacement, Jordan Love. Well, it's not Jordan Love's not the winner. You, you have the yeah. whole Packer, yeah. Packers organization, the Packers team. Yeah. I mean, it's we did them last week, so it's not a whole bunch more to say. Uh, the shift in accuracy is, and Jordan Love is consistent. I think that Matt LaFleur is a lot like um, – he's probably pretty happy now to be able to show. Like, it couldn't have gone any better for him. For like Jordan Love to have a rough start and to be rid of Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers not playing, he uh, and he have a big primetime game against the the defending Super Bowl champs and one of the best defenses in football, and to just orchestrate a running attack and a passing attack that was awesome. They're also doing all the stuff that Aaron Rodgers didn't like. Like exactly. in that game, they were <laughs> exactly. running. They ran the second most uh, play action, yep. third most preset motion. I talked about NFL Live yesterday. It really is like new significant other. Oh, you didn't like it when we would, you know, go to Buca di Beppo on Sunday <laughs> nights. But she loves Buca di Beppo. Look, look how happy she is. Look at that. Look how much she loves Buca di Beppo. Oh, gosh. The um, interception by, by Nixon was incredible, too. Oh. The... I will say this, though. It's not a negative, but it feels like the luck is also on yeah. their side. Like, they got... There's some the, underlying metrics that are yeah, a little... Got the, um, yeah, but there's also some glaring situations, like the pass interference, no call, uh, which I'm fine with, but it was a penalty. <laughs> but also, like, I feel like I was critical of Jordan Love for throwing up wish balls every now and then. But he threw up some wish balls in this game that just happened to get caught. Like that one to Dobbs is the obvious one, but also the one in the back of the end zone to Christian Watson. It just speaks to how differently we talk about you when you're playing well, because that was an ill-advised pass. And now we all like, man, the accuracy just over the DB's hands. Okay, if you say so. You're saying people are results-oriented? <laughs> During the game, I liked it when I think it was, it was a Sunday night game. Yeah, Collinsworth pointed out that Lafleur went for it on fourth down on the drive where they scored, yeah, he and did. he was yeah. he was like, "If they had missed it, then people would be going after them." I was like, "Yeah, of course, get them, get them." 
Um, the, the Packers are the, the best vibes team in the NFL right now. They're kind of like the Lions were last year, which is funny because they're in the same division. But uh, the vibes around this team are pretty immaculate, especially when you consider, while I agree with you, there's some they're, – they're, there's, they're not a perfect team defensively in particular. I think some of these lapses will be meaningful. Lapses, flaws. Uh, the point of the season was not to make a run. The point was to see what you have in Jordan Love. I would feel fantastic uh, it's right now. Been a few based weeks on. in a row that it looks great. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's. I would feel pretty great also about. Yeah, and the, the everyone, all the young guys, man, yeah. like all those young receivers have. Because we talk about a lot, we've talked a lot about Love's improvement, the accuracy. They're all getting better too. Like those Watson, those catches that he made, he won't make those catches earlier. In, I mean, he was, he was hurt and stuff, but the point yeah, is. I got to reinforce them hammies, but uh, they, mm-hmm. those things seem awfully fragile, but but he's good. A rising tide seems to be lifting all boats in yeah. Green Bay. Everyone's kind of like making each other better right now. It's like, oh, the pass, the, the scheme is helping the, the pass protection. The play action games working. Love has pass protection, so he's confident. So he's throwing an accurate football. He's throwing an accurate football, so the right receivers are getting yards after the catch. It's uh, the defense isn't on the field as much. It, it's all last one. working. Yeah, right. It's all working and um, rowing in the right direction. One last question, then. I think uh, before I let you go, D'Amico Ryan's and Shane Steichen are the favorites for Coach of the Year. Lafleur. Can I interest you in a Matt LaFleur if they were to make it into the playoffs post Aaron Rodgers with a very Uh, young roster? You can definitely interest me in that. It is very impressive. However, D'Amico makes the playoffs. Uh, I think that's even more impressive than than Shane. But I think it probably goes – if all these teams make the playoffs, I think it goes D'Amico, Shane, LaFleur in my view. Yeah. Like we we discussed though, Lafleur he's he's at Buca de Beppo just <laughs> with his new gal. So why, I, why why my brain went to Buca de Beppo? I will never know. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> those Anyways. things still exist. Yeah, I oh, get okay. emails for some reason. Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's I, why I used to love it. <laughs> all right, Dominique, I'll see you uh, same same place next week. Go all right, buddy. check out Dominique on the Dominique Foxworth show wherever yeah, you get your pods. He's on YouTube. I'm on YouTube. I'm on his show. He's on my show. It's very incestuous. It is. I love it. Bye.